You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt McGacky, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Sarp Kesky of Bipolar Architecture. There's this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Everyone backstage here is rich and famous. I'm like, I'm gonna go out and meet somebody. And I'm totally nervous. I walk out of the pipe and drape, the first person standing in front of me is Alanis Morissette. So I said, um, you know, you're doing some stuff with like orchestras and symphonies and like, I'm a string player. I could do any of the string arrangements for you. And here's my business card. And she's like, I don't have any pockets. So she was actually blowing me off. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever. The guy next to She got to one her, hand in her pocket. She even wrote about it. She's a fucking right. liar. The dress she had on, she didn't have any pockets. So the guy next to them is just like, I'll take that bang. I didn't think anything of it. And that's the guy who called me to be a part of Kevin Costner's band. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Siobhan Cronin. Welcome back to another episode of 2020. I'm here with Benny Goodman and Corey Peza. Don't forget to like and subscribe, 2020-d.com. Click on the links wherever they are. <laughs> um, but back this week for part two, my dear friend, Roddy Chong from Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Rowdy Roddy Chong. has played with Shania Chain, Twain, Celine Dion, Kevin Costner, all of the famous people that you can think of. It has an incredible story. Also super passionate about motivating Shania people. Twain. So he has a she lot of that. great things to say. <laughs> he has a lot of great tips yeah. to give to people that have a big dream in this one. Yeah, and he's, he's gearing up for the Trans-Siberian Orchestra tour, which is going on probably right now while you're listening to this. So check out, probably, yeah, definitely check out those dates to see Roddy on the road. He'd probably say after listening That's to all that. That's a great like, name that for a show, Roddy on the road. That's, that should be his podcast right there. <laughs> He'd probably say after listening to all of his accolades, that doesn't impress me much, but it does. Right on. We'll dive right into it. Part two with Roddy Chong. Check it out. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here with Rowdy, Roddy Chong, the craziest violinist. He comes in from the left, from the right. He's Chinese, but he's all over the fucking place. And I'll tell you right now, he's not only inspirational, he's perspirational. He runs from here to there, Shania Twain, Celine Dion. They can't keep him under wraps. That's why he's with Trans-Siberian Orchestra with the fire and all the crazy stuff. Tchaikovsky, tell us what's going on. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Energy. Energy transfers, Ben. I got all riled up. I'm out of breath just even listening to you. That's good. I, you know what's funny, Benny? I saw my first episode and I texted Siobhan. I I think I used the word genius. You did. I, I, I told a, Ben, I said, Roddy paid you a very big compliment, by the way. Even though he's not coming on our podcast, he said you were. He didn't do his research. Genius. Yeah, stupidity can often be fooled for genius. Yes, I know. Well, certainly the ability to go for it and put on a show, you know, you've got that. And that's something I will burn in flames for you. No problem. All day long. That's something that performers need to be able to have a career. You know, I don't know. Eat the proverbial shit in front of the entire audience as they wince while I read the great Gatsby one word at a time. Even that's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if you do it dramatically. So... (laughs) You know that that's interesting because um, I was we were talking in the the other episode and, and Siobhan knows this um, that um, string players get all bent out of shape over other string players and um, it's really wrong it's the wrong way to go like if you feel that you're like that person's playing out of tune let's let's just talk about Lindsey Sterling for a second you know this is a very good example so when I first heard of and saw. I just was like, this looks like a person who's having fun. They're doing it in their style. And I saw some video was like crystallized or something had at the time, like 90 million views. I'm like, whatever she's doing, people love it. Right. So that's kind of what I thought. I started hearing other string players just criticizing the heck out of her. 
out of tune, don't like your dancing, all this kind of stuff. And I was just like, that is just the wrong attitude because we're all trying to be ourselves yet kind of be a performer, move up in progress in all of this. And, um, and it was interesting too, because sometimes Lindsay would hire string players. I would see some string players that had criticized her a couple years before, totally next to her, you know, in the Instagram, yeah. because that's gonna, you know, and, and people criticize Trans-Siberian Orchestra too. And I think once you, you want to criticize, just don't do it. Just, you know, just make something in your own life better, make a great post, create something. But um, I think it's almost, it's this dysfunctional thing that when you criticize somebody, uh, it, it like makes you feel like you're a little bit better than them because you somehow logically came up with something that you pointed out that you could say that this thing's not good, you know? Roddy, I feel oh, like yeah, you I... just totally explained the subtext for Ghostbusters too, because if you remember that movie, there's all this ooze around this, this ectoplasm around the city and everyone's getting angry at each other and it's because all this negative energy is around them. So what do they have to do? They have to go to the Statue of Liberty, obviously a badass righteous sign, and they have to go and get a Nintendo controller, which is obviously happiness. And what do they do? They blast happy music at New York. And what happens? What happens? All the ectoplasm, all the evil over New York City starts to go away. And that's kind of the truth because all these people, it's all the hate that they have. It's a projection. It's just a projection of ectoplasm all over New York. And really what we need is Bill Murray to come down and just with his Nintendo controller drive into the in the library, uh, Statue yep. of Liberty. Yes, I'm tracking with you. So with, uh, with every, with, once all the ectoplasma, that's the negative stuff, right? Once that's yes. all gone, gone, everybody in New York, every single person has a chance now, the freedom to become a superstar. If you're singing Marvin Gaye and clapping in the street, you know what I mean? It starts to go away. It fades away. Yes. I, I totally I, agree. And, and to add on to that, yeah, I mean, we're going back to the Lindsey Sterling example. So many people that haven't had to build a brand or do like put in the amount of work, forget the violin playing. Uh, just just look at what, what it takes to do all that video, to write songs, to go into production. There's so many string players that I know still that have never done a recording session or don't know what it's like to write something original and I, I you know these are things I'm still learning but you know even if you take the violin playing out of it so many people underestimate the amount of work and blood sweat and tears that goes into just building that thing that you envisioned you know so it's it's amazing that you say that I totally agree people have to really rethink their attitudes well in fact just do the opposite you're not gonna feel like it but be like she's awesome that's awesome I love that I don't know what she's doing but that's cool because it brings that kind of vibe into your own life. Yeah. Like when I'm commenting on stuff, I'll be like, I'll be like just positive all the time. Like that is the, I'll, something clever, but basically it's all saying like, you're awesome, that's awesome, that's the greatest. But I'm kind of talking to myself that whole time. You know? Well, you know, when you go into a club, you have to amog them. It's what they call it. So you have to go up to all the guys around the hot girls, but you make friends with them. You don't look at the hot girls. You talk I to their up. ugly friends. You go talk to their friends. You go talk to the guy who's like huge. And you're like, you're thinking he's with them. And you're like, dude, you're cool, man. And then by the end of the night, everyone's talking to you. You got to realize who the actual target is and how you get the flies, not with the honey, but with just talking to their friends. <laughs> I know about amogging. I've done it. Savan's <laughs> <laughs> like, right, you're, you're a natural, aren't you, Roddy? I know you are. I'm not a natural. I had to learn from you those who are naturals. I, I did. And that's kind of how people are successful also outside of that realm of the PUA world. Um, he likes that, to soul gaze with girls. He's like, let me look in your eyes for five seconds. I can see your soul. Palm read. Do a palm read. Um, no, but to be able to like be more successful, you have to learn what are the actual techniques that work from people that are actually- Hold on, can we try a trick on Siobhan? Siobhan, think of a number between one and 10. Think of a number between one and 10. Think of a number. Do you have it? Yeah. Is it seven? No. We lost, <laughs> sorry. 70% of the time it actually is seven. And then if you just, if it's not seven, I say, well, we just didn't connect. Let's try it again. I knew Benny and I were different, but kind of brothers. Yeah. Well, anyway, Roddy was onto an amazing thought that now hopefully your memory is better than mine, but I got derailed. So you were talking about successful people. So the, the principle applies to success too, you know, adopting certain like yeah. one thing you're kind of bringing up is just, you know, to be successful, 
there's not just the talent aspect like that just kind of gets you in the door it's you know the way you talk and the way that most of the people we talk to that are extremely successful it's all personality and, and interconnecting with people and uh I, I guess you know you said in the last episode that you want to help people and help our listeners and please help us the best you can <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you why don't you just talk a little bit about your um observations maybe about where people might go wrong when trying to enter in not just the music industry, but but business and, and interpersonal relationships in general. Yeah, um, my brain just went five different directions of where I could go in answering that question. Um, one of them is that, you know, I play violin because that's what I was trained to do at the age of two, but I actually don't consider myself, you know, all about the violin. It's that I'm a performer. So I actually get criticized um, from other string players um, and it kind of hurts my feelings actually. So I, I'm not made of Teflon. I actually, it's like I'll have 300 people say that's awesome and one person is just like, maybe if you jumped a little higher, your intonation would be better. You know, oh. just like, and then I'm, I'm trying to like, I don't even know what to say. So I don't I'll really tell you exactly what to say. I've always I've been called better. I, I mean, I've been called worse by better. That's my favorite mm -hmm. line ever. I've been called worse by better. And that's like, what do you say to that? Like, dude, you're not gonna get me angry. Like, I've been called worse by better. Tell me something I don't know. See, you that can't hurt me. Well, what I do is I either say nothing, which is probably the best thing to do, or I say, you know, thanks, you know, thanks. I'm just, because any interaction is just gonna bring me down to the wrong path. I'm trying mm -hmm. to, you know, I know what, I mean, like, does he not know that I know when I'm slightly out of tune? but I was also running around a garage full of Ferraris trying to impress Tommy Lee. That's what was going on. And I'm trying, like the people in the room were all rich people. I'm trying to perform or speak at their events. So that's what's really going on. I can't explain that to the, sure. the, guy, the person that's commenting. And um, I mean, so a couple things there, like it really, it, it, it actually, I am affected. So I'm gonna admit that, but that also is what gives me access that I'm an open person so that I'm able to have an effect on people, but that also they're gonna have an effect on me. So I, that's what I kind of, that I'm bothered by it a little bit. I mean, I, I don't do anything about it, which is good. And, you know, after a few hours, I'm over it. But um, by, by being affected, we can be affectable. We can kind of have more impact with people. People know, people say all the time to me, you know, you're, you're the real deal. I don't know what they're talking about, but there's a realness. And um, if I was really great at being snarky and sarcastic and I could just really, you know, go toe to toe with these toxic people, I mean, I just, I'm just not in that world. I don't relate to that. So I'm in a different dimension and it, it's a little bit of, of inspiration and positivity and all that stuff, which sometimes seems actually kind of weak. It seems kind of weak to people, but I, I like it, you know, it helps me sleep better, I can go for things that I want to go for, uh, and some of those things have actually come true, and those things were totally outlandish. And um, I don't know, it doesn't matter what age someone is, it's just like if they are in the, just going for that and trying to get to that um, idea that they had, um, things can actually happen, um, but it's not going to happen by being like sarcastic and snarky and, and criticizing and, and that it's got to be the other vibes and those vibes sometimes seem weak but they're inspiring positivity and well, but i'm curious i'm curious but why do you allow these things to affect you because you have like you should know this you only have so much mental bandwidth like you you've even said in the show that you can't answer all the questions that come to your mind so why are you appropriating any mental bandwidth to anyone saying that you're not good when a you know you're good too your job is to instill confidence in others by showing that you're confident and we also know that you're really good so the most important thing is at the end of the day is being able to look yourself in the mirror and believing what you're actually selling. So by allowing somebody else in, aren't you questioning what you're trying to sell and why should I buy that brand now? Yeah, I, um, I don't know the exact, uh, to me it's the scientific thing. I think it's the amygdala part of the brain that there's like a, a, a fight or flight kind of thing and then like these people that I don't, I don't totally really know that well even on Facebook, that's my tribe. And then that one person's kind of like, you suck and you know and I so want you have to have it go over to the basal ganglia so it goes to the autonomic nervous system so therefore you can then just bypass it it's like breathing dr benny just went off <laughs> 
But no, it's there's probably my, not scientific. Well, I, I do think don't take any prescriptions. Yeah, he can't, <laughs> he can't write prescriptions. But I, I think that's what it is. I think it's more of a science, actually, the scientific part. And I, you know what? I, I, I don't know. You, you're East Coast, right? You yes. Know, you guys are all, you know, um, people from Long Island, you know, I know like Michael Sweet from Boston, the lead singer Striper. Striper, all yeah. All those yeah. guys are so good with, I'm just going to zing this guy. And they're so funny. I don't know. You know, I think part of it is the way that I grew up. Um, you know, my parents, English was a second language. So sarcasm was never used. It was just kind of like, this is what I'm saying. And I'm saying it with broken English. So sometimes I didn't even know what they were talking about. So you realize that deep dish pizza is not actually pizza, right? Like that's just a joke. <laughs> Lou Malnati's is like, I love Lou Malnati's. <laughs> that's, that's like literally like if you want to not go anywhere for seven days, just eat one piece of Lou Malnati's with like right. a fork and a knife and put some butter on it. That's right. Lou Malnati's is my favorite. So yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's a good question. You know, I mean, I was just kind of saying it's, it's a cultural thing too. Like, like Michael Sweet's so good at, and he makes me laugh at how he zings in he's his own fans and he, and he's, and he, uh, he likes to do that. I, I, um, I just think that there's some kind of a giftedness that I have by, by admitting that it does affect me. Um, it doesn't make me doubt my brand. I, I think that's part of my brand that I I'm sensitive. And, uh, so that, Yes, I can get and receive all the great rewards, the good stuff. You know, if something's toxic coming my way, I, I'm, I'm glad that I have the sensitivities that I have. And I, I try to just kind of move away from it. But um, no, it's, it's just, the, just the way that I am. Um, I think I'll get better, better at it. I mean, if it was to bother me for more than 24 hours, I think that would be problematic. And maybe that's how it was when I was younger. But um, I'm kind of glad because, I mean, I've had things in my life that that was a bit it's just not logical, but I felt like something was kind of leading me to like the whole Celine Dion thing, how I got to work with her was all from sensitivities and just going with vibes and trying and striving and things not making sense. But so I have this navigational thing. And I think that if I was like, had the Teflon and it doesn't bother me, then I might not have those sensitivities also kind of get those, those leadings to kind of try this or try that. Yeah. So you no, think your emotional intelligence. Well, intuitive. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it, having that sort of intuition can certainly help guide you in a lot of ways. Get this. That guy that, that said the comment, he, he went on. Because I said, thanks, man. I said his name. And then he, <laughs> and then he clarified. Also, he did. He's like, also. Well, obviously, your, your audience doesn't care about intonation or being in tune. They just care about your show-off antics. So you're doing a great job. You know, so, so it's like he's double... Yeah. So this is my, my heart is actually, I actually want to help this guy. I went on, he's a violinist and he's doing this thing at a wedding and it's totally boring. And you know, I wanted to say all these insults, but I also kind of, I actually want to help the guy. I'm like, dude, you're killing yourself by not letting me help you. Like, I mean, I, I have a lot of contacts, you know? <laughs> You know, sure. But. Yeah. But, you know, Roddy, you're super inspiring and I love your positivity. And I'll say just the first time that I met you and over the years getting to know you, you've always been the person that's like smiling and happy and like super responsive. Like you don't feel like you're I never feel like you're ignoring me or people don't feel like you're just like shooing them away. You've always been really receptive and open, which is amazing. And I can see totally how that has helped you build a great career. And I think maybe since we didn't fill in some of the gaps since part one, can we talk a little bit about how you kind of got into some of these really big name gigs? Because they're at a certain point, you mentioned, you know, what happened with your first band. You told the story about, or maybe you were going to tell the story about how you got fired from that band. Um, the one band you know, that you're in that wasn't a big deal, Jars of Clay. Who cares about those dudes? Yeah, but these I love these stories because I feel like those no, are often turning it, but points. I'm just saying, fuck those guys for firing you. The best thing they ever did was fire you because look at who you are now. Yeah, <laughs> so I want to hear Roddy. about like, yeah, like what happened from high school Roddy and college Roddy to, you know, getting into acting and dancing and all this other stuff. How did you, you what happened You molded your from own there? clay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, look, the Jars of Clay guys are actually awesome. The, the difficult thing was, we was, was, was management. <laughs> so uh, what happened with Jars, I mean, literally, I'm driving around in my Chevy Cavalier that my dad had given me, and I'm hitting the seek button on the radio, and I came across this song, Flood, by Jars of Clay. There's a violin in there. So it kind of made me pull the violin out from under the bed take the dust off of it and just try to copy what I heard. And that's, that was a transition away from sheet music and the orchestra and the, the Suzuki stuff. 
And um, like I said, like I'm, uh, I have all these sensitivities uh, and I had a friend named Becca and yes, and I'm always reaching out to people, you know, I'm, I'm an extrovert um, or I, I behave extrovertedly. And uh, my friend was, had moved from Louisville to Nashville. Her name was Becca. And we're talking, literally, this is what happens. She, she, she's like, I asked her how Nashville's going. She said, Nashville's going great, except there's this guy that keeps asking me out. I don't really want to go out with him. And he has some claim to fame that he produced the jars of Clay CD or something like that. And I just, I heard her say that. She had no idea that I, it was like happening right at the same month. And I'm like, Becca, you have to go out with that guy. I want to tour with that band. <laughs> I mean, that's literally what happened, right? So if, she if I did- for the team. She did. And she went out with him and talked about me, the guy in the suburbs, Roddy Chong. And then that guy liked this girl so much that he spoke to Jars of Clay management. And then the timing was great. Jars of Clay played at the Double Door. And uh, um, they had seen video of me playing those songs. And they brought me on the, the tour. And so it was you know the first time of bus and itinerary. And Matchbox 20 was opening for us, which was their first tour which it was amazing wow. to watch them then take off. <laughs> um, yeah, and, sure. But, um, you know, what happened there um, was was that I, you know, something was communicating. So I do share this during my speaking presentations because I share my story. And, and I'm thankful that I have this story that's kind of a depressing bummer of being let go of something that you really wanted to be a part of. But I get to hear because you guys are musicians and I want to be a little bit more uh, like the story is a lot shorter when I share it at a corporation, but uh, you know, there's like a manager and then there's people around the manager and I didn't know any better. Like I totally was just like, yes, sir, to everybody. And I know Siobhan, Siobhan's a lot like that too, you know, and <laughs> you, you start to lose yourself as you're trying to please everybody else. Right. So one of the people that was next to this manager was talking to me and this person's got all this bravado, you know, just because he's working with bands or whatever, he thinks he's cool. And he said, you know, he said to me, hey, look, this first tour goes great. You know, you gotta, um, this is what we're gonna pay you and we're gonna pay you more if, if you do well in this first tour. And, and I'm like thinking, I'm still trying to negotiate for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, and he, he, he spoke out of place and he goes, look, the lead singer said, this is the way it's gonna be. And so then I got scared. Oh my gosh, I'm not talking to management anymore. I'm talking to the lead singer. Forget me negotiating, I wanna do it. You know, and then I went right to the lead singer when I went to rehearsals and I'm just like, I'm so sorry. You know, it sounded like I didn't wanna do the job. I totally wanna do the job. And you know, they said that, you know, that you kind of were putting your foot down and you don't have to be that way with me. Uh, you know, I just wanna work with you. And he was totally mad. He's just like, I never said anything like that. They can't use my name like that, you know? So it's, it's interesting that, but see what happened was that put a seed in me, in my heart that I'm just like, ooh, they kind of lied to me, you know? And mm -hmm. when the tour ended, they were gonna pay me the same amount. I kind of like wanted to document things and I made a letter that kind of said, this is what happened. This is what was told to me. And this is what I should be getting. That was a wrong move. I mean, it's very similar to some kind of an email that you sent. I can totally imagine some tour manager in a rock. Like, dude, this is fucking rock and roll. Like, we pay you in Budweiser. Like, if you <laughs> if you get laid, you're lucky. Like, that's that's what you get. Like, you're yeah. fucking, you're writing it down. Like, we don't even know what time the guest meeting is today. Like, you're yeah. telling me at 3.07, you didn't like my look? Fuck you. Very much so. I mean, not with all the, not that far, but... <laughs> yeah, like I actually had like newspaper clippings where it said things like the violinist Roddy Chung was a great addition, you know, the best thing that happened. So I put those in the, you know, with, I'm like kind of saying, hey, I have some value here. They were not they, the management was so, they were just like, you think you're hot stuff, huh? You think, you know, and I'm just like, no, I was just trying to show that I have some value, like innocently, truly. But mm -hmm. the reason why the letter or email is a bad idea now, I would never do it is is they weren't able to read my vibe, right? They just thought I was being this ungrateful. Disingenuous. Or whatever, and, and I, I was young and not being, I was kind of being passive aggressive by not being assertive and just talking to the person, right? So I see where I went wrong, you know, they, they just saw me as a, as a non-team player and let me go and it, it really, really, you know, put me into a really dark time because getting a job with a national act is a one in a million shot. And uh, so 
that that's what happened. I, you know, and I see like remember um, did you all see uh, Mandalorian? Did you guys all see that? I did not. Okay. Well, there's there's an actor I forgot her last name, but I think her name was the same name in Mandalorian, and and her name was her real name, Kara or Kara or Kara or something oh, like that. Oh yeah, the uh, the she was an MMA fighter, right? Before yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, she was a superstar. She had this charisma that was unexplainable. She's just a favorite character, and you know, she posted some unfortunate things on her social media, and you know, and I'm just like, this is very similar. You know, when you when you make just the wrong move and you, you can't recover uh-huh. from it. But, you know, when that happened to me, I was more like in my young 20s. You know, you don't want to be making this, these mistakes later. So um, I think about I saw what happened with her because they were going to make an entire. Um, so every character Mandalorian gets their own series on Disney. And I'm just like Gina, she, Gina Carano or something like that. That's her name. Right. Yeah. And I just felt for her because I'm just like, I know what she's doing. She thinks she's right. She's not. But she thinks she's right. And she's just innocently doing this. And. Mm-hmm. You know, the best thing is just to just to do your work and, uh, you know, if you need to talk to someone, talk privately to them about it. And uh, but you want to be able to continue working and continue, um, you know, and I, I, I feel for her. I would have liked to have seen her. She would have had a whole series on Disney. And uh, but I see other creative people do this, this thing. Uh, you got to get got to get it out of your system, hopefully earlier. You know, so that you because I never talk to people like I did like like that. Like if I had if I have an issue with something with Transiberian Orchestra, I go straight to management and talk it out. And but but they're also a very benevolent group and they're very for me. Whereas that thing with that happened with Jars, it was kind of adversarial and there was miscommunication. And but that that whole story I just told you is kind of more the real story. Whereas what I share with my speaking, it's just this very short version. And I say I was 100 percent wrong. I sent an unfortunate letter, and then I kind of move on into into what happened and how I was scrappy and tried to get out of that situation. So yeah, no, there are a lot of intricacies to the story, and it's yeah, it's great that you got to tell the whole thing because I, I can see how yeah stuff like that happens. And uh, thank you for sharing. It's that. Uh, it's reminiscent of uh, a story you know that we heard from uh, a previous guest, Jason Leckberg, of uh, knowing your lane. Like when you're dealing with with different people and knowing in what situation where you have what you know options and what power and all that dynamic and stuff and how that is important to navigating the professional world in general, right? And I can tell you the proof of concept. So I'll tell you the proof of concept. So one, you, you are so tremendous in everything that I've I've heard about you in the, like the last ninety minutes, and you came on the show because of me. That's what you said. So this is what I've learned is that all you need to do is start a podcast where you just rant at people and you get to cut off these amazing people and then you just have your own forum and you don't have to leave your house. You don't have to go anywhere and you can just always be right. And if not, you just sign off. And I feel like (laughs) that there's some vindication because I've met so many people from Mark Tremonti to to Miles Kennedy, who's one of my favorite singers in the fucking world. And and Bumblefoot, we were talking, he sang for Asia, and he's playing guitar just for us. Nuno Betancourt, me and Corey's favorite guitarist of all times, like, guys, stay up for one more song. We're like, okay. So I feel like that all you need to do is just make up your own confabulated world, which, by the way, is just a fancy word for your brain makes up for why this is. And for this, it's me, 2020. This is what my is mind. This, what is the point of it. this point? How did None. you turn this into well, being about you? I got None. the point. I got the okay. point. That I, the point. I am living out my own confabulation. Don't know the word means, but I know that you know the vibe of the word. <laughs> I'm getting that conversion I, from this. Yes, I am. I am living out my confabulation of of my existence and trying to get to that next thing. So, I mean, I do have more stories of how I did things in the past, but um, I said during the break to Benny, I think, or Corey, that that we have to um, still be working on stuff now and today and not just be kind of... So give us a story from today. Give us a story that you can... Because Marcus Buckingham, another great speaker, says, every day you either add value or take value away from your life. You never leave it neutral. So when you go to bed, you either had a bad day or you had a good day. It was never a nothing day because you're... That's a bad day. So what was today like for you? Marcus Buckingham, very impressive. He was strengths guy. Do you know Marcus? Do you know, have you read some of his stuff? I've seen him live many a time. Yeah, I've seen him live too. He's a great orator. 
Yes, he kind of kind of. Are you, are you strategic? Are you you're you're a human. You're you're a very human. Like your relationship guy. Did you go through all those different like yes. sets that he? Yes, I've been through all the. Strengths. I want to I want to know where our Venn diagram crosses. But but where did you add value today? Did you add value? Did you take value away? Well, what would I, Marcus say? Well, as far as what I would be talking about more is what has happened the, this year. Um, and um, one, of the, one of the things that I would say just for people listening is try to get near people that are more successful, you know, people that have more money that could pay you for your services. Um, so I can't really come up with something that would be great for today. But I can say, you know, besides I got the workout in or these things that are all these small things that all add up and they compound to bigger things later. But but I can talk about last weekend. I did a speaking event in Jersey, flew in from Philadelphia, got in at midnight and I was invited to this car show and I didn't want to go because it's an over an hour away. It's kind of far. And then my friend David Lee who was putting on. He's like, well, Tommy Lee's going to be there. I'm waking up, you know, I'm going to go. And so I, yeah, you know, I mean, I love Tommy Lee because I love Motley Crue and I love that era. So, yeah, I kind of want to meet him and know him, but I also want to meet the people that are around David who invited me, who's, he's famous because he has one of the better exotic car collections in the North America. So I'm proud that I, still got up you know at 5 a.m and then drove over there and and then put on my extroverted self talking and shaking hands i might not feel like and then it was david's birthday so i'm like i'm gonna play a couple songs so went to his state they call a stable where all the cars are all the ferraris are and like i'm i'm rehearsing i'm stretching down there i'm checking out the floor i'm i've got my little bose speaker and i'm practicing this track and I know my songs I'm going to play and, um, you know, and then I'm going to go for it. It's not my ideal, you know, I would like more rehearsal. I, I would not my, the ideal stage, but this is, this, this is the audience, this is the stage. And, and I would say that it was a big success and, you know, we'll see if those seeds grow into something, you know, something bigger, but, um, but that, that's something I'm, I'm trying to show value to David. I'm, you know, these people that have a lot of money, I can speak at their, what's gathering. the song? What song did you play? What was your elevator pitch for your song? When you have Tommy Lee watching you, like, what's he going to play? Well, what's the song you break out? The, the song that the song or anything that you do has to have a lot of energy. So to play something that's sonorous and melodious and beautiful is not necessarily the right song. When there's a group, you got to get them clapping along, you know, or or excited. So I have a go to it's the Mozart Figaro, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra version. Um, and then I have a, a fiddle piece, Toss the Feathers by the Cores, and those do both things. The first one is, uh, you know, the guy that I, talk, that I talked about that was kind of criticizing me. I mean, he was kind of right. It's like the, the showboating and the, the showing off, that's the way I play, you know, and that's what people like. And um, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say, though, too, is it's not just that you're trying to meet a famous person. I, I, I went through that, I did that a lot, but that you, you do want to get near those people to be the, the people that are next to them are decision makers. So you want to show value. Now, now in my world, it's a little bit, you know, if I only show the violin part, then it's back to the only violin kind of a thing. But right away I'm talking and I'm sharing that I'm a speaker and I'm a corporate speaker. And, and so I, I have, I have a, I have a pitch about that. And, um, I do it all the time, um, often, uh, and uh, and sometimes those turn into speaking gigs. So, um, but those are the two songs that I did. I think in the past I've I've messed up by playing something that's really nice, play something from Phantom of the Opera or something, and so my vibrato and I sound in tune and it's beautiful, but it can get a little boring. So you want to be the opposite of boring. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love Mozart. He's got a case of the notes. Siobhan knows. I brought her to a billionaire's house. You had a bunch of Ferraris in a room, too. And I was like, play the fastest thing you know. And what did he do? He put it on his Instagram. Glenn Hughes from Deep Purple's like, this is amazing. The mayor's like, oh, that's great. <laughs> Siobhan's like, who are these people? I'm like, exactly. Well, that's one thing I'll say about you, Ben, that you and Roddy have a lot in common. I mean, you're b- very good at, at doing that, of surrounding yourself with, with people that, and, and I agree, like, 
you know, the the group that you surround yourself with will may eventually grow into the people that you live your life with in a lot of ways that are giving you work. That that's your social circle, and uh, yeah, it's that's great advice. Absolutely. I'll say one thing to get near people that are like at a higher level than than where you're at. We're talking if we're just measuring money only, like people that have tens of millions of dollars, is just never complain. That's the whole thing. Just I never literally, complain. the guy behind the show has way more than tens of millions of dollars. In fact, he compares his worth to other people's worth all the time. And I complain to him every day, <laughs> I all think day. You, you are the outlier. You, you're the exemption from everything. Somehow you don't fit any of the and, rules. And, I don't know how that I, works. When I call my friends, like Ernie Bach, he's a billionaire. He picks up his phone like, for, like Betty! Like, like, I'm in my Mazda. Like, what's that? That's, that's It's my million-dollar Ferrari. It has no roof. Why are you picking up your phone? It's you. What do you want? I don't know well, why you, he picks up, but he picks up. We're on the same page because you already have that established that uh, yeah. relationship somewhere. But if you were if you went up to him and you didn't know him and you're just complaining about COVID the whole time, he'd be like, I really don't want to hang out with oh, this Oh, he guy. didn't know me for 10 years. The, right, but the I, reason I why... The yeah. reason why he likes you is the same reason why I like you is because you, you have this energy that pops and people want to be around energy. So you're not really, even in your complaining, even in Benny's complaining, he's got a lot of power and energy, you know, that, that mixes with the rock and roll. People want to be around that. So I guess what I'm talking about is if you're going to, most people can't complain with a lot of great positive energy like you. Yeah, right? that's that's true. People complain. Like, don't feed the animals. Stop it. <laughs> they commiserate. I've, I've heard complain. plenty of complaining, but I'm not rich, so he doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, you gave me the best compliment. Corey gave me the best compliment ever. So Corey and I were hanging out at one of these like fancy schmancy parties. He got a little bit drunk, and he's like in the bathroom, and he's having a transparent <laughs> moment where he's actually being The story changes every time I hear it, too, so I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, so he, he's... He's he's a little bit drunk. He's like, listen, man, I don't I don't know. You're not that good at that many things, but like, you're somehow, that sounds right. You're, somehow, somehow you're good at like talking to people. Somehow, in all of that, the listeners got what they what they needed out of that because there was a lot of different, all saying the same things, but it sounded different. I truly believe, like, just don't complain. Just be that shining positive. You know, be will because someone who's super positive. It's almost, you know, people just, it's so easy to make fun of that person, but people that maybe they have children or they're people that have, that are able to make decisions. They want people like that kind of around. They want the positive vibes, you know, or the fun vibes, but they, they don't want the complaining and people complain a lot. It's just yeah the go-to and you know, people that are successful. I look, I've got some success. If you're complaining, I'm going to probably just kind of Listen, I'm the guy that used to work at Circuit City, and I turn on all the stereos at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I play the final countdown as loud <laughs> as possible through all the 5.1 surround sound systems simultaneously because I figured out how to daisy chain them. Like, I was that guy. So believe me, I understand. I totally get it. I love it. Circuit City. Did you read the book Good to Great? I did. Uh, no, but I did read one. Like, I think it was One Hour Manager or something like that. Like, people don't quit companies. People quit people. <laughs> well, good to great is by Jim Collins, and he does he does talk about Circuit City in there, which they they were a great company until they stopped. until Rome burned. I was there when I saw I was on the the mountain watching playing fiddle with the, next to Nero as the conflagration that was Rome. I, I saw that from Circuit City, and Best Buy was over there laughing, not realizing Amazon was behind them like a Velociraptor. Mm hmm. I feel you. Oh my gosh! Well, let's while we're on on a roll with giving you know advice or inspirational talk to people that might be listening, how to how to build your life. Let's let's go back to so after you kind of lost this gig with the band, you said you were sort of in a dark place. Not to go to the past, I know we're trying to avoid that, but no, no. Um, you're harsh and mellow, Siobhan. <laughs> Sorry, no, but I, vibes only. I'm, I'm interested to hear what happened because I feel like a lot of transformations happen after moments like that. So can yeah. you maybe talk about what what happened and how you sort of changed your life? Where where like what direction did you go from there? How did you get yourself back on track? Yeah, yeah, I, I really jumped into all that motivational stuff, the Tony Robbins, the CDs, and and any kind of a book on business or self-improvement, any of the whatever, how to win friends and influence people. I just was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do this. I obviously screwed up something that was in my lap. So, um, And then I just kind of did what the book said, 
you know, and, and it, it kind of ended up working out. So um, from, from there, like I was saying, uh, with my sensitivities, I, I went to Nashville and I'm like, I'm just gonna meet a couple people and just see what can happen. Like, I have to meet somebody to get something going. But on the way to that goal is when I heard a song uh, by Celine Dion. It's called To Love You More. And I just started crying. There was a violin in it. And uh, I didn't know who it was by, but I went into Tower Records in Nashville. And I tried to sing the song to the cash register guy. And I'm just like, oh, I'm like singing this whole thing and that like really loud in the and he took me seriously he's like I think that's Celine Dion and so we found the the, the song it was called to love you more and um, and that's where I got that signal I'm just like I love this song and I when I heard the song and I was crying in the car I had something in my heart that said someday you're gonna play that girl that song with that girl that you just heard on the radio someday you're going to play that song with that girl that you just heard on the radio. So within my despair, I kind of had this direction. And that's where, uh, you know, I met people in Nashville. Nothing happened still. But I was like learning this song. And but then um, kind of skipping a story here. But then I heard about the Shania Twain audition, did that audition. But through Shania is how I met Celine's husband, actually. And then um, so this whole thing that came from like a a dark place I had like a little glimpse of inspiration to happen and then so that thing I just kind of focused on that and it ended up coming true so I was able to tour with Shania and Selena at the same time during that time yeah so yeah, that's, that's, you think that's David Foster saying they're going obviously I wrote that shit I could even write it under Junior Miles and no one gives a shit it's like Stephen King writing thinner under Richard Bachman he's like it's still a number one because I'm awesome yeah. you knew that right Junior yeah. Miles, David, David Foster. Foster. It's always David Foster. He's the guy that takes the guys that play horns in Chicago and says, play keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I Number guess my one hit in is- Japan, by the way. Biggest international hit in history, by the way. 1.5 million copies because it was on a show. Yeah. It's wild. Celine Dion. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you this. For practical advice for, let's say there's somebody that has an idea of their direction or their dream, but they haven't really landed the first gig or gotten the first big break or something. What's your advice to someone like that? Is it to go to the place where they feel like all the other people doing that sort of thing are there, like geographically? Or like, what would be the first step to somebody that's trying to achieve that? Um, So I got two answers for that question. One is just out of what I did, and that might not be right for everyone, but I would just surge every once in a while. Like one time I wanted to work for U2 and I just flew to New York and I knew that they were going to be at this theater and I just waited outside and I had like a VHS of me playing Sunday Bloody Sunday and like I just stalked it and waited it and I and I ended up giving it to the edge. So that I didn't get to play with them but that was a huge victory. So I like totally surged, just go crazy and just be like, oh, I, don't, I know this is, just get over there and just, just try to meet that person. And um there's something about when you're trying to bend reality that it's just living life to the full. So I love that. I, yeah, you just go for it, friggin' go for it. The the other thing is is there's a very popular book out right now called Atomic Habits by James Clear, okay. and that has a ton of strategies on how to just get better at what your craft is and 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 what we're talking about is how do you kind of get to the opportunity. So any tiny thing matters. So just do those tiny little things. You don't have to have this whole thing where I meet the president of the company and and the the dinner that we're at is perfect. I mean, that's probably not gonna happen. But can you call somebody that's the assistant, it's still gonna take some courage to talk to that person. And if that person blows you off, still a victory. I made the call, talked to the person, awkwardly said what I do and how I could serve this band or whatever. And, but actually that's still a big one. So I'm saying whatever is even smaller, you know, clean your desk so that you feel like more professional, you know, have, prepare yourself, but then yeah, any little tiny thing, it, it, it can actually lead to something. And I think that most people go, why, you know, what's the use? No one's going to hear from me. I'm in Iowa, you know, but you know, with, especially with the internet now, people can hear about you and people, people are looking for 
you know, talents, you know, like I, I Trans-Siberian Orchestra is a good match for me because I grew up on rock and roll and metal and um, I didn't know there was a band doing that that also kind of wanted some classical music. That's a little rudimentary. It's not the most complex thing. And I'm thank God because I'm more of a fundamental kind of a guy that, that you know, I just basic playing with rock and roll. And then it, it was a place for me, but I didn't know that it, it existed. I think there are opportunities out there. So I would also suggest that people don't focus on one thing. Like I hear a lot of people go, I am going to sing or play guitar in Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And I'm like, it's too it's a little too specific you know just say that you want to get to the bigger bands that are playing arenas and whatever you could go out go for 10 different bands and those opportunities open up you know like bon jovi needed a bass player metallica needed a bass player <laughs> i guess i'm saying play bass, <laughs> <laughs> bass players I want to hear about something you told you told us about something earlier and i want to know about this moment that you got stuck in that you couldn't get out of so you said there's been times where instead of going for Figaro, the the hedgehog, by the way, he's a hedgehog that Siobhan owns named Figaro. That's the name of my hedgehog, yeah. Yes. Oh but instead of going for Figaro, let's say you went for Halo by Beyonce instead. You went mellow and it didn't translate because people don't, let's say, have, you know, highbrow taste in music. When did that not land? Like, when did you go for Halo instead of doing the Figaro and people weren't clapping and they're just like, this guy's boring? Uh, that's a great question. So when I do my speaking events, I knew when when things were popping, when the audience was reacting by laughing or any kind of an emotional reaction. And I knew when they were checked out going into their phones or literally kind of like, I'm going to go leave now. So um, I just learned whatever I did that wasn't popping, just just delete it. Just everything has to like, I used to think like, well, I want to have things that are good and then maybe not so great to have this variety, but no, just have it be like good, 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 good. Any of the lower points, just, just kind of get rid of them. And I used That's to, that's why Shania Twain brought the Dixie chicks to open so they could suck so that all of her songs <laughs> sound better anyway. Well, I don't know if that ever actually really happened, but, um, what she would do actually is she would always have Canadians open for her to give them a shot. Celine Dion would murder her. I'm sorry. Well, I think Atlantis yeah. is pretty good too. Atlantis. And Vanilla Ice. Okay, so um, <laughs> two things that I'm going. I'm riffing off of Benny. So <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, how I actually a secret that I'm sharing with you guys is how I became a good speaker was not by studying speakers. I already sourced it from acting school, but then I kept it going by studying comedians. Because mm -hmm. I watched- One million percent. They've got a mic and they're commanding an audience by themselves. That's what a speaker does. So I, my favorite would probably be Chris Rock. And, um, and I saw what he was doing. He's never had, he never has a lull. It's just like a machine gun of just great jokes and power and laughs. Bang, 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 boom. Bigger, 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 bigger. And um, so that's what I learned as far as a cadence. And I got rid of the boring things and the sonorous things where I sound so beautiful on the violin. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, in certain settings with candlelight, but in this situation, these people want to be thrilled, entertained, and inspired, and they want to be moved. And in order to move them, you got to get them moving. You got to get them clapping. You got to play the upbeat stuff. And uh, that's, that's where I figured it out. But I wanted to say um, real quick that I was with Shania uh, backstage. And so you got to understand all of these creative people are so insecure. So they had these rooms that were kind of roped off what they call it pipe and drape. And so I'm sitting there I'm sitting with my bandmates and some guys are reading a book or whatever. And I'm just like, everyone backstage here is rich and famous. I'm like, I'm going to go out and meet somebody. And I'm totally nervous. I walk out of the pipe and drape. The first person standing in front of me is Alanis Morissette. So I said, um, you know, you're doing some stuff with like orchestras and symphonies and like I'm a string player. I could do any of the string arrangements for you. And here's my business card. And she's like, I don't have any pockets. So she was actually blowing me off like, yeah, yeah, whatever. The guy next she got to got one her, hand in her pocket. She even wrote about it. She's a fucking right. liar. The dress she had on, she didn't have any pockets. So the guy next to them is just like, I'll take that bang. I didn't think anything of it. And that's the guy who called me to be a part of Kevin Costner's band. No shit. That guy, the security guy for, for Alanis 
10 years later was the tour manager for Kevin Costner. They had an issue with their violinist. I told you string players are these these dysfunctional people. Contagious hey, I'm not, I'm not in that category. <laughs> yeah, we are, yes, we are. Yes, we are, Shalon. But something happened with their violinist and he's like, you know what, I met this guy and he had that he had the actual card. He actually called my old number from Chicago and then tracked me down to California. So Wow. Also that's covering, amazing. That's covering Siobhan's question too, you know, what what can people do is, is you just gotta go for it. You know, it's just you feel like complete idiot you know just go for it go for it and then but on top of that too having that positive attitude like you sometimes forget that people around you might be paying attention and i think this is something you do really well is like you you never know who's in the room right so even though you might be focusing on one person there might be a lot of people around that person that are also looking at you that you don't realize you know so it's that's a perfect example of that yeah, yeah, and, and and not just let them have your contact information, but you got to get theirs, and that's something that I kind of learned later. And then follow up, and it's uncomfortable. Just follow up. Like you know, it's funny. I don't think either of them know this, but the person who's actually behind our band and all that—the first time I met him, I talked to a bunch of. I was at a record company party at seventeen. And I was like all nervous. I'm talking, I'm wearing my one leather jacket. I thought I was cool. I'm talking to all these people. And at the end of the night, he came and introduced himself to me because his like people that had vetted me thought that I was cool. And then like I ignored him all night and he gave me his card. And then he invited me out to lunch at this super swanky restaurant. And I remember calling my friend who brought me to the party being like, I can't afford this place. Aren't I supposed to take this guy for lunch? He's like, he's a fucking millionaire. He's taking you out to lunch. I'm like, isn't the etiquette that I'm supposed to take him and show him? Like, no, no. He he gave you his card so he could make you a thing. And then years later, ha, 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 millions of dollars, and here we are. Thanks, Scott. We love you. <laughs> we love you, Scott. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. <laughs> he's like, he's like, accurate. That's right. That was just kind of for me for me to him because that because you brought me back to that moment because you're absolutely right. I still have people's cards, but then now that like I'm older, I'm like I don't even want a phone anymore. I just want to throw it all away and disconnect. I don't want I don't even want you to be able to reach me. But you're good, Ben. You're very good at following up the second. I mean, even when I first met Ben, the reason I met him is because I was playing a festival and the guy next door was the guitar player in All That Remains and called up Benny and said, I found a violinist for you. And within like 10 minutes, I feel like he called I was DJing a wedding. I literally put on a Michael Jackson song that was over four minutes. And I was like, I got to call you. I was like, hold on. I, one second, I got to go do a changeover. And you're like, I'm about <laughs> to go on stage. I'm like, listen, there's a whole audience of people waiting for another Jackson song right now. But yeah, I called you immediately because literally Ollie had called me and he's like, there's this amazing violinist and she's actually thinking about working with us. I'm like, she exists? And then I call her and she's like, yeah, I'll get on a plane and just fly there. I'm like, this must be some kind of crazy magic. And then she showed up at my door and she was just like, I'm here to play the music. And we've been friends ever since. True story. Yes, and you made a podcast, 2020. And we made, yeah, we made a podcast, we made three albums and we're all good friends. Yeah, it's it's wild, but yeah. You're picking 120 kind of- episodes, right? You guys are, it's amazing. Yes, it's all crazy, way, yeah. yeah. We're working on it. We're still learning we're fu- what to do we're, here. We're, we're still getting a stride a little bit. It's one of those things where you have to dial in the narcissism and assholery. Like, or more of like me talking to myself, whereas how much Corey interjects <laughs> versus Siobhan having, having the introspect. Well, I love the, the the great thing, and you should see the arc of our episodes. It's I, I annoy everybody, and then Siobhan asks one introspective question, <laughs> and it catches everyone off guard. They're like, oh, Wow. And I'm like, oh, what I asked good... was really not that yeah. profound. It's, it's, but it's, everyone... it's like, where are you from? Because all of all my malarkey yeah. that's been going on for 25 minute like <laughs> diatribe, they're like, you've asked something of some substance. Just for a moment, I want to hold on to it, and they love her. Yes, you've got you've got some distinct personalities on this podcast. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's good. It works. <laughs> Very good. But yeah, I don't really, I don't, I don't love doing podcasts, but once I saw yours, I, I did want to, I was like, well, we are talking about the artists. Well, we love, love having you on it. Yeah. Rowdy Roddy. And, uh, <laughs> and as we, you know, unfortunately do come near the end of our second episode, uh, 
I guess we you're can harshing just kind of, my mellow kind of, right now. Positive vibes. This I, is never going to end. Well, I, I just want to hear you. So it is, you know, TSO season is approaching. And so is that just something that is all encompassing? And how does that feel for you? That's right. It's all encompassing. Um, I mean, I really love it. I mean, it's what I always wanted to do, right? Those those rock videos, like, what's that? Wild Side, right? Motley Crue, yeah. like, or whatever. Uh, the Def Leppard things where they're showing trusts moving around. I always wanted to be a part of that. I just didn't know it was going to be like two a day and then nine shows a week, you know. So, uh, you know, my my workouts because it's a physically demanding two months. Um, the ten months, my workouts are kind of like gearing up for this jumping around on the stage thing and trying to save my knees and everything. And um, and we rehearse the the leaders that lead us as music directors. You know they. They're Juilliard Berkeley people. So we are gonna be sitting there being perfectionists, going over the songs over and over, even though maybe we think we know them, going over, over and we're gonna be having masks on. So we're gonna have all that, that protocol going on. And um, you know, we do know that it's a, it's a privilege to, to play arenas and that there's fans that really love what we do. And so I'm happy because like uh, we were talking about, you know, like, so what are you doing now? This thing allows me to say, well, this is what I'm doing now. So just that thing uh, that can keep you going. Uh, I'm very happy and, and thankful that Trans-Siberian Orchestra is still there. Um, they're still going to do the 20 trucks of gear, which is like just way over the top. It's wild seeing it, yeah. Hey, Dustin, hold your beer, star set, <laughs> with your, like, eight trucks at the Palladium, thinking you're all fancy schmancy. But, um, yeah, you do kind of, I, I get into this zone. Sleep is the number one thing that's the solves all problems. There's not enough sleep. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I get a little irritable. because, And so I have to, like, self-check myself. Just, you're just so mentally, emotionally drained, you know, but you know you, what you're doing is awesome. It's going to be a little different this year. No meet and greets, no um, signing lines and so we do we typically do a lot of that so we'll see we'll see how it goes um maybe that'll help um with being able to save some of our energies for the shows but um you know we're planning for success we're planning for sold out shows we're totally keeping tabs on other tours uh, I, i'm personally looking at what's going on with michael buble and eric church and genesis and you know and COVID has gone through some other organizations so you know, we're learning from that. And um, so this one's going to be uh, super interesting because of the name of your podcast, 2020, and the, <laughs> and the effects of the pandemic. And But, um, you know, thankfully, uh, America's doing concerts right now, and hopefully they'll continue to do them. And um, we have a COVID specialist with us that's going to be administering tests and making sure that everything's good. And you know, if COVID comes around, because it's already happened with some of those artists that I mentioned, that they know they already know, and we already know what to do. So um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, but um, I I think it's a a big privilege to be able to bring the rock and roll holiday joy to all these people, and you know, and I selfishly get to be a part of this multi million dollar production to run around in the middle of it. So um, every show I like run around in a circle. And that just just that's just my little thing of like this is ridiculous that I get to prance around in a circle and people are like, Yes. We like, <laughs> we like the Asian guy running around. <laughs> so um yeah, I, I can't wait and um and the and the other musicians are virtuosic and um you know I'm I'm inspired by them. So it yeah, I mean, we're really playing. So sometimes we sound so good. People are like, that's tracks. I'm like, it's not tracks. Like if, if we have somebody makes a mistake, everybody gets to hear it. So I actually like it when we make mistakes because it's, yeah. like, it's obvious yeah. that it's live. No, um, and it sounds amazing. Yeah, I mean, it really is such an incredible show. And people love it. I mean, it really is like the joy of the that whole two months, you know, and the times that I played shows by, by sitting behind you is like what I looked forward to every year. Definitely. And, you know, to bring it all around circle is is our front of house guy is a guy named Dave Whitman. And Dave Whitman was one of the engineers for an album called Foreigner 4 that was produced by Mutt Lang. So that's wow. why, at least on the, the East contingent, there's two bands. One goes west, one goes east, and I'm on the east side. 
Dave Whitman is our front of house, and that's why it sounds so sonically amazing in all those arenas. Well, you could tell Dave Whitman, okay, because I talked to Miles Kennedy the other day, and we were talking about how he writes songs. And I, I of course, you know, want to tell the guy who's with Slash and Mark Tremonti, like, what you're supposed to do. And he's like, I don't know sometimes, you know, what chorus I'm supposed to go to, or this or that. I'm like, well, if always go for the one that sounds the most like Foreigner. And I thought that <laughs> that was going to land. And he kind of looked at me, I'm like, dude, really? Like that, because Foreigner for me is the archetype of, here's a hook, here's another hook, here's the pre-chorus with the hook to the other pre-chorus with the hook, and here's the coda with the hook. And we haven't even gotten to the chorus yet, hold my hooky beer. Because Foreigner <laughs> is like the most, some of the most genius composition and production, enter Mutt Lang. But even before Mutt Lang and after Mutt Lang, Foreigner, that's just like, if you want it cold as ice, yeah. holy shit. Yeah, I feel totally lucky, like lottery winner. I'm this this Asian kind of dorky guy that played violin Suzuki, and that I get to be a part of rock and roll somehow. I'm totally thrilled, and that's why I wanted to be a part of this podcast because I know you guys talk about all that all the time. Well, we oh, Ronnie! It. Uh, and you deserve all the best in the world because you're you're such a great soul and a, a really good friend and so kind and so talented and motivated and so you deserve all of the best things. I'm so super happy for you and really happy you got to share all your stories. Yeah, thanks for being with us. And, and uh, you guys are coming to the show, of course. We're going to make something happen there, so we'll Woo! talk about that afterwards. Yeah, that sounds great. I will definitely love to come see you guys, and I'm sure these guys would love that too. Yeah, ben yeah, is speechless yeah. for once. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I have one last question because this is really, you had mentioned this. Taurus sound scary. And it's not because everyone's going to die if someone gets sick. It's because maybe the tour has to end contingent on one person. So, you know, you see a, a band like Kiss, you have to surmise that that's a big fucking deal for them to go on tour. And then Paul Stanley gets sick and then everything's shut down. I mean, and there's people I'm sure that their whole livelihoods are, are contingent on this. What's that feel like? Uh, you guys even have a COVID specialist, which to me sounds like Mark Cuban's making some money somewhere. But like, I understand <laughs> like it has to be a thing because you have these multi-million dollar productions happening. What's the, the atmosphere like knowing that, that that's how it's gonna happen? Well, even before COVID, we were very militaristic about how we did things. So we've always had a backup to the backup to the backup. So there was always, so there's two or three substitutes that can come in that's always kind of been there and um there's nothing different except that knowledge that perhaps that might have to be called in um if that if if necessary of course we don't necessarily want that but yeah so i mean we're we're overly prepared uh i really love this organization for that 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 they are like i said a backup to the backup to the backup i never really heard that concept till i met paul o'neill the creator of tso and you know, they also have the money to be able to um, have those kinds of insurances. So, um, but I'm, I'm glad that I'm in the position that I'm in, <laughs> that I'm not the substitute. Yeah, but, yeah but absolutely. I, I've been the substitute before. And uh, if you ever get a chance to be a substitute, going back to the motivation thing, definitely go in there, go in there and, and show your value. And, you know, because of circumstances, your time might come, you know, Absolutely. That's the solid advice. A hundred percent. Yeah. I can relate to that. Yes. Let, so. let us all be waiting in the wings for something. Then we yeah. can put on a show. That's what we've yeah. always wanted to do. Well, I'm so happy to hear yeah, that the tour is happening and that you're so busy and doing all sorts of things. And really, I mean, I guess to wrap up the episode, it was just like such a pleasure to have you. I really appreciate that, that Benny sold you on our podcast because that's probably the first. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I can't believe that you actually appreciate it. I feel like that's passive aggressivity because now we're going to have to go have a meeting afterwards. And then Scott's going to be like, wait, did he actually say he came on because of Ben? And then Corey's going to be like, ugh. No, really he genuinely sent me a message. And I was like, wow, this is great like and I, I was amazed i was like thank you for listening to so many episodes you know like when you text things benny that you've texted in the past and you're like i hope that never comes up again from the cloud or something you know well, siobhan actually has this rumored text i know the word genius was in there you know maybe your cohort well, might not i agree. can tell you 
on the other side of that that I've literally hassled her. I'm like, weren't you in Trans-Siberian Orchestra? Don't you know all these people? Aren't you friends with them? Isn't this intense? <laughs> Why can't they be on the show? What do you mean they want you to talk to the management? Aren't you talking to them? <laughs> just circumvent, don't let them sell you a no. Like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross shit. And she's just like, but that's so aggressive. Like, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I learned my lesson. <laughs> and here you are. Yes. Great job, Siobhan. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm, I'm, gl- okay. I'm, I'm so glad it all happened. The stars Standing aligned. Standing for Siobhan Cronin. Everybody stands up. You've added value to our lives today, Siobhan. I did. I brought a guest to the podcast. You all can thank me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, once again, we appreciate you coming to hang out. Check out roddychong.com and check him out with TSO uh, probably when this episode comes out he's, he's going to be on tour so for those check that it. don't know Trans-Siberian Orchestra is a money making virtuoso rock and roll classical <laughs> Christmassy lasers lights and fog and fire machine with the guys from Sabotage so if you're like oh that sounds like no it's the 80s band <laughs> Sabotage with a bunch of other people because they're like in multiple places at once like neutrinos and they're just playing Christmas music but with metal and lasers and lights and it's ridiculous so you should see it it's great absolutely and Sabrina Orchestra is awesome for the whole family absolutely even for the Jews if you're celebrating Hanukkah we love that shit too lasers and lights it's awesome dashd.com we'll see you on the next one Thank you, as always, for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-D.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 12, featuring the Shredmaster extraordinaire, Rusty Cooley. Check it out. Good, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's never, you know, I've never had a backup plan. I mean, it's, it's this or nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, the shit has got bad, too, over the last, you know, you know when the economy crashed and all that shit back in like 2013 or 2012 and you know it it hit me hard because i went from teaching like 56 students a week uh, oh my god that's a lot yeah it was 56 oh my god. in a day monday through friday and then it's not like six on saturday and uh i went from making a lot of money you know over 100 grand a year you know between teaching and royalties from records and uh, guitars and pedals and magazine columns that I was writing for to all of a sudden that shit dried up and I went to like 18 students and I still had the expenses of when I had the big sure. money. I mean, oh my God. I, mean, I had an H2 and it got repossessed one month before it was paid off. So I had to go take out a loan that I could never pay back to this day and to get my Hummer back to pay it off the next month. You know what I mean? And it's like, dude, it was bad. It was like I was one foot away from being under the bridge. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.